This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the MVSP, the most valuable of sports podcasts. My name is Brandon Worth. I am joined by my co-star, co-host, and best friend, Joe Nagy. What is happening, Joe? It's a great day to be in the office, Brandon. Let me tell you what. Sun is shining. It's just a great day. I, see I, woke, up, I woke up a little bit late today, but we're not going to talk about okay, that. It's okay, but you're on the ball today. I see what you're doing with the sun because PGA Shriners is coming when it's going to be an epic it's like shine it really Shiners, is and shine. in vegas too one of the hottest one of the hottest cities in all of america it's going to be at tpc summerlin Shriners hospital for our children's open it's probably one of the greatest tournaments that is probably held on the pga tour uh 2018 bryson DeChambeau won it he's going to be back there this week uh going to see if he's going to be able to bring home the hardware it's honestly filled with some with some pretty pretty big names. I mean, Jason Day, just to name a few. I think Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler Sergio Garcia. Um, honestly, I'm just really excited. I think Bryson's probably going to be able to bring it back, especially since last time he was there, he wasn't juiced up in an absolute mountain of a man. <laughs> a mountain And man. I think with that dry Las Vegas air, that's going to be pushing all – just going to be letting the balls fly. He's going to be able to set record numbers. So. Yeah, and um, 2019, Kevin Na won this one, I believe, in a playoff with uh, Patrick Cantley, two Titleist guys. But, I mean, DeChambeau, he won in 2018. He was fourth in 2019. And what he's proven right now, he's probably the by far favorite for this this tournament. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of other guys in here. Like, literally, we, the list goes on and on and on. We can talk about so many guys – that could even make a run. I mean, Jordan Spieth has had a pretty bad season, but anything can happen when it comes to these late events. So it's definitely a possibility to see like guys like him, McElroy, um, even Phil. Phil's got a shot. I mean, Phil. it's possible. And let me tell you, Phil really struggled at wing foot. So oh, you're, you you know he's, up. he's you know he's bound to bounce back. This. It's just tough. Did you see the uh, Did you see the stat line that said he hit like four since the last time he was at Wingfoot? He hit like fifteen thousand fairways. Yeah, and then what happened at Wingfoot? Well, I mean, we're not gonna talk about that, but yeah, the big lefty had a rough day, but he's probably gonna come hit bombs this week. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited, Brandon. I actually played there one time. Yeah, I know you told me. What, what is this course? What are we gonna see, Joe? Well, as my PGA opinion is gonna put it, it's a pretty cool. I mean, I don't really like pay attention too much to the greens and stuff but obviously out in vegas it's going to be really dry the greens are going to be fast probably not as fast as Wingfoot, um because i mean Wingfoot's known for those challenging greens but i know that guys are going to have to play a little bit smart especially with uh, how tempting it is going to be to hit the long ball and try to cut those corners i know there's two holes um or one or two holes that kind of has like a dog leg around the water that i think a lot of guys are going to try to cut Mm-hmm. And that's going to be tempting, depending on how guys are going to want to play smart or a little bit aggressive. Kind of for the first day, I'm going to be uh, really looking at probably Bryson to kind of cut those corners and, you know, just play, I guess, balls to the wall, if you could say. He's going to play just like he doesn't really have a care in the world because he's one of the favorites to win it right now. But honestly, this course, it's built for it's built for a PGA Tour. It's got... So many nice. I mean, it's it's basically like a destination to be at. It's one of the greatest places yeah, to play at sure. too. 
I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, and I see what you're doing with the puns today. You're just killing it right now. <laughs> but seven fifteen, really good um uh group teeing off DeShambo, Cameron Champ, Matthew Wolf. I think that's probably one of the ones we'll definitely be watching that will be on the starting or early card, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of there's there's so many big names in this tournament, it can really go you can you can make um a case for a lot of these guys gonna really give a shot. And we got a lot I mean, even talking like Kyle Morikawa coming off as an amateur and look what he's doing. I mean he won a major this year, almost won another one. So it anything is possible. I mean you got other guys like um at twelve oh five you have Kevin Na who won this last year. And Walk then you have, it in, Kevin. Yep. And then Patrick Cantlay, who was in the playoff. And then you got uh, Ricky Fowler, a little more your average Joe, for sure. So What do you mean? Ricky Fowler is great. No, no, no. I said a little bit more oh, than your right, average right, Joe. All right, a little I get that. Yeah, I, you know what I mean. But it, it's going to be really exciting. Looking forward to some great golf coming up. But as we had some great football on Monday night, a little bit Different than we expected coming in, obviously, with the game change with Kansas City and the um, New England due to the COVID situation. But it has been contained for the most part. Unfortunately, this morning, um, Stephon Gilmore actually was diagnosed that he has COVID. So that's going to be a little bit of a scary situation for the Chiefs. Um, I'm assuming, yeah, he did play, I believe, right? Yeah, he was a... I think he had three tackles, I think. Yeah, yeah, he did play. I, I don't know why I thought he did, but um, Kansas City won. Good job, Joe. We got our picks right. Yes, 26, sir. 26-10. Um, Brian Hoyer, not He tried his not best. Not great. No. He, he did as expected. We'll put that. Yeah, he he did not play well. No. He got replaced by Stidham later in the game. Combined three interceptions and only 190 yards from these two. Less than f- yeah, we don't have to go any I mean, farther it's, about that. It's they played pretty poorly. They played as expected, but what really can you expect from a team? Really, New England's always been a starter guy. If they don't have their starter, they really are just on the fence. I mean, with even with Tom Brady last year, if he wasn't playing, I mean, you can basically kiss that game goodbye because yeah. they're banking on him. Especially being able to after Garoppolo. Yeah, left. even with even with Cam Newton too. I mean, he's a former MVP. He's a guy who probably who was in MVP form this season, and with him being out this week. I mean, it leaves two guys who are basically, like, they'll be all right on other teams. They'd probably be out after two years. They're good backup quarterbacks. They're good guys to step in for two or three plays while the starter is probably hurt or something like that. But without Cam there, I knew that this wasn't going to be a good game. It would have been a miracle for them to win. But, you know, they did as expected. Yeah, you know they were going to have to change the game plan and they handed the ball off a lot. Damian Harris actually had a pretty good afternoon. He had mm-hmm. 17 carries, 100 yards. Rex Burkhead, 11 for 45. Um, James White was back. Um, definitely a, probably a difficult situation for him. Obviously, his father passed away. I wish him nothing but the best. But, I mean, he was back. He was really emotional. He had a great – he had he led the team in catches, and just like what he does. James White is one of the most utilized running backs in the NFL, especially in the pass-catching department. Um, Demary Bird. Pretty good game. He had double-digit targets. He only brought in five of them, but obviously with the quarterback situation, expected. Yeah, what can you do, really? Yeah. But, but I mean, look at the other side, too. Patrick Mahomes yeah. went really, did really well. 19 for 29, 236, two TDs, zero interceptions. Efficiency. Brandon, yeah. That's just – it's Patrick Mahomes just did what he did. And honestly, if Kansas City lost to that, to that Patriots team that played this week, I would have been – 
I think everyone would have been very disappointed and just dumbfounded because there was literally no way that they could have lost that game. Yeah, and um, I think one of the things that really stood out, and I know um, a lot of people are saying that like Kansas City didn't play very well, which is accurate. They didn't play as great as they normally. I mean, would. not really. They they I mean they stalled out a yeah. lot. They had a couple. Edwards Hilaire only ran for sixty four yards. Yeah, I mean they punted at least I believe it was three or four times. They had a fumble. They didn't play very clean football for a while, and I mean. They didn't score a touchdown till the third quarter. That's that's not what your no, offense is normally great, when you honest. have when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes and all of your weapons and you can't score a touchdown in the first half. That's definitely a red flag. But he, the basis of it is is they didn't play well and they still won. And that's something that the, it's really shown that the Chiefs really can be a definite contender for back-to-back championships for how well they can play cuz I mean you still beat a pretty good coach Patriots team by 16 points playing poorly. Yeah. Then you add them playing at their normal level and it's just another ball game. But another game on Monday night due to the COVID, there was a a little bit of extra dose of Monday night football. It was the Packers and Falcons. And one thing we expected was Atlanta going to lead the game early. And I guess they wanted to try a new strategy and come behind and it didn't work. So, um, Aaron Rodgers and company took care of business. Aaron played fantastic as he has all year, making his case for best quarterback. What in a stat right line right now! I mean, he's looked fantastic. Twenty-seven to thirty-three, three twenty-seven, four touchdowns. He's been phenomenal. Aaron Jones had a great night, and I we say this every week, and I'm sick of saying it, but I will give the Green Bay coaching staff credit for saying that their receivers can get it done compared to trying to get draft picks this year on the receiver spot because they've really held their own. It's Marquez Valdez-Scantling was their number one yes. receiver. No Devontae no. Adams, no Alan Lazard. Still held their own. And even so, how we no one thought that they would go 4-0. No, nobody People did. thought like, hey, 2-2, two 3-1 two, maybe, but they're proving everybody wrong A lot right of people now. thought and this wasn't a playoff team. No, and really right now they are one, I mean, they're the, one of the only undefeated teams in the league right now. In company with the Chiefs, the Bills, and then a couple other. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, Robert Tanyan, boy, he's really been lethal right now. Six catches, 98 yards, three touchdowns. He is Rodgers' by far favorite red zone target, and I think he loves that role. Whoever had him on their fantasy team yeah, is that was extremely a, happy. That was a clutch play for sure. But shout out former Bulldog Malik Taylor got to play in this game. Hey yo, he had twenty yards too. He had a twenty-yard catch that was huge on a fourth down from Aaron Rodgers, and he, of course, went to Twitter and said, "I caught a pass from Aaron Rodgers. This is this is surreal." But we shout out Malik Taylor as he was one of the best receivers we've had on this Ferris State team, and he had a great game. Um, obviously, he didn't play as much, but I mean, still, you're playing a a role in a Green Bay offense. That's got to be a pretty exciting thing to, to oh, yeah. really have. But the Falcons. I mean, what can we really say? It's hard to say what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong because their offense doesn't look terrible watching as far as play calls and stuff. Their execution is what's really holding them back, I feel like. Like, just really, like, they're getting places, but there's just times where then they get into a funk and then they can't roll again. But then when they do get down there, they're they're not getting all the way into the end zone sometimes, man. It's no. hard. It's, I mean, it's especially tough. I mean, it's kind of uncharacteristic for the offense this week. I mean, we've seen them how good they can be. Matt Ryan had a little bit of an off day, 28 for 39, 285 yards. 
and then no touchdowns. But then Todd Gurley goes off for two touchdowns and 57 yards. I mean, it's something like that when you look at it and you just got to realize that this was just a fluke for the offense because we've seen how good they can be. They just need to focus on their defense at this point. Yeah, their defense certainly has some issues with it. I mean, overall, I think their defense is uh, their their defense is not great. No. Don't get me wrong. Like they're rebuilding their defense. That's I think they're ranked like what nineteenth or eighteenth or something like that. S- yes, yeah, so- something along those lines. I mean, oh, like this Falcons defense is not very good, and we knew that coming, and we knew Atlanta was going to have to have some firepower offensively to beat the Green Bay Packers, which. They're, they're, they just didn't execute and score. I mean, they had 285 yards passing, and I believe they had about 80 yards rushing, give or take a couple yards. But actually, no, exactly. Wow, good math, Brandon. Um, Great job, 80 Brandon. yards rushing, um, and I mean, that's not terrible. I mean, like, that's kind of almost typical, like, Detroit numbers, and they, they have still won at least a game. So I feel like... The execution is really where their offense is lacking, but bigger than that, their defense really needs to kind of figure it out. Because they figured it out last week in three quarters against Chicago. I mean, oh, yeah. Mitch Trubisky couldn't throw the ball to the they're right on the, They're on sure. the cusp. They're, they're right at that. They're on the roller coaster. They're right at the point of going over. They just got to get that extra oomph. Yeah, because it's just like watching the, the Bears. Like, Mitch was getting absolutely obliterated on the line of scrimmage because their pass rush was – like really getting to the Bears, and then it just fig like I don't know what it was. And then Nick Foles comes in and just absolutely dices up the secondary and shows Atlanta's really their true colors defensively, just not there yet. And then comes back and wins. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you you feel for the Falcons because you know they're 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 a good team, but it's not showing on paper right now just because their mm-hmm. execution has not allowed them to win games yet. And especially against the Bears when they were up by how many points, and then just. Let it slip away at the end of the game, and we feel for the Falcons, but definitely it's going to be okay. But Thursday night, speaking, speaking of yeah, the Bears, speaking of the Bears, they got a tough task ahead. They're hosting Tampa Bay with Mister Tom Brady himself. Um, no word yet if we're going to see Mike Evans or Chris Godwin yet, so that is a red flag for the Buccaneers. But their offense is still 14th in the league mm-hmm. without them, so I feel like they're still going to be in pretty good shape. Um, last time these two teams met, it really wasn't close. Bears blew them out by 38. Yeah, but they didn't but have Tom Brady. They didn't have Tom Brady, and they didn't have the young defense they had. So, I mean, the developed young defense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, they had some of the pieces they still had there in 2018, but they weren't as just there yet. Because their defense no. this year, very good. Extremely I mean, good. Fourth in the league. Yeah, a, par- a fourth in the league compared to the Bears with ninth and. The Bears have a very good defense. Don't get don't get us oh, wrong yeah. or anything. But Buccaneers are also a very good defense. So we should see a lot of them. Uh it's gonna be in Chicago. It's really hard to pick anybody. I don't know what it is about Soldier Field. I really feel like it's a little nerve wracking picking against the Bears at Soldier Field because I don't know what the it just I don't know. It's just something that I feel, but I am gonna go with Tampa Bay just because I feel like they're going to get it done. I think Chicago, with Nick Foles starting, I think they're still trying to figure everything out yet because obviously when they came into Atlanta, they were kind of going off the fly on game plan changes. So they weren't really establishing the game plan ahead of which we saw last week against Indianapolis, and that didn't turn out very well. So I think this will 
I think this will most likely be a better game for Nick Foles, but I think that if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans play, I think that's going to be enough to move the ball down the field, and Tampa Bay is going to be 4-1. and one. I agree with you, Brandon. It's going to today, tomorrow, not tomorrow. It's, yeah, tomorrow. I, yeah, I don't tomorrow. know what I'm thinking right now. You're Literally, good. this game is going to solidify Tampa Bay as being one of the best in the league. Also, it's going to be showing all those Chicago Bears fans that are saying, oh, we're finally turning the page, we're, gonna, we're one of the best teams in the league, that no, you're not. It's the Chicago Bears. The thing is, I don't think Nick Foles has what it takes to go up against this Tampa Bay defense. I think Tom Brady's going to have a field day with the Chicago Bears defense. They are one of the best in the league, but Tom Brady is also probably the GOAT. He's in GOAT conversation. I just get annoyed at all these Chicago Bears fans that say, like, oh, we're the best in the league. Like, we're finally the best in our in our division when they're clearly nah, not. Nah, not the best in the division. I know, but Bears fans say that, and it gets me annoyed. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I have a buddy that's a Bears fan that he believes that this team's not there yet. But, I mean, overall, Bears aren't terrible. No, like, they're not terrible, but they, they're, they're not a team that should be 3-1. and one. Oh, I they're a team that should be yeah. like two and two. I think that's more of a. I think that I mean they obviously snuck out that win against Atlanta, and then don't get me started with Detroit. We should have won that game. So I feel like there should be two and two or one and three. But I mean, if you're the Bears, you're gonna take it, especially when you got teams like Green Bay that are tearing it up right now. Vikings have started off slow. Those two games might come in big time towards the end of the season. If, in fact, they get into wild card conversation, because you know Minnesota, they're too good of a coach team that they're not going to keep this 1-3 and three record going. They're going oh, yeah. to get some wins, that's for sure. Um, prob- I'm, I'm a little nervous about them playing Detroit right now just because they looked a lot better last week. We can say that for sure. As the Texans also have decided they don't look good enough, so they have now fired Bill O'Brien, which, if we flash back... <laughs> Is this time to fire Bill O'Brien? I did say that that could happen. So, that it, um, I mean, you you texted me like right after, when, right when it happened. You said I called yeah, it. Yeah, I said I did call it. So, but anyway, I was correct in one point. So it was a big move for the Texans. I think that they they've just finally decided that they just need a new start. I mean, they have a new team, and I think. I mean, making that trade with DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure, made a factor because that team does not look the same without DeAndre Hopkins. And David Johnson's a great player, but he's not quite, I think, the guy that they really expected he was going to be. So, But it's going to be a different time as the Texans. Um, they're going to be 0-4 right now just because they really have a tough schedule this, and they've not played to yeah. their potential this yet. Year's, so. This year's definitely going to be... Uh, <laughs> I guess you say rebuild. I guess it's not because I mean they have the talent to get there. I mean, giving up DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think they should have done that. I think they should have made a strive to keep him because without him, I mean, this is the season that they're having. Because last year they were in contention, they were a good team. They just need to get someone to refill that space. And obviously, getting a new GM, I feel like, is a really good move. It's going to take some time for him to get used to, especially for the team to get used to their new GM, depending on who it is. But I think the first move that they have to make is getting someone to re- to fill DeAndre Hopkins' shoes. Yeah, I think they're going to be now in a, I wouldn't say like a full rebuild, but they're definitely going to try to fit some more pieces around um, Deshaun Watson. They're probably going to have to vamp up that defense a little bit because their defense is also a shaky. But we'll see how that goes in Houston. Um, overall, right now, 
we really have seen a lot from some of these teams that are starting to change their identity a little bit. Obviously, yeah. like even talking about the Buccaneers, they've really kind of changed with Tom now compared to Jameis. A lot slower of a pace, a lot different game plan. Well, when they're not throwing it so much, or at least when you have a quarterback who's more efficient, who's not throwing 30 touchdowns, but he also has 30 interceptions. Yeah, on the very end. true. And then we're seeing like the Bears changing their offense. I mean, the Panthers have looked pretty good so far. They pulled off the win against Arizona. So that was a big win for the Panthers. And now they're going to have to play the Falcons. So they could be a 3-2 and two team now with Teddy Bridgewater Mike Davis. So yeah. you could see a lot of difference. But... I mean the Cardinals do play the Jets this week, so they'll go to three and two. But I mean, I mean, look at, even like looking at the NFC least right now, they they don't look very good. None of like the Eagles pulled out their sneak win. Pretty happy I picked that. But sneak win, sneak win. But I mean, your leader right now is one two and one. That's not a great sign. dude. That's Super Bowl contention right there. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. But speaking of football. I mean, we got to talk about our fantasy teams. We too. haven't talked about our we fantasy teams. We haven't done them in a, a long bit. time. But um, my team's looking pretty solid. Not going to lie, matchup this week, pretty big one for me. Um, I'm taking on Johnny Yonker. Both of us are 4 0. Both of us projected very high in the league right now. Battle pretty much for second as Kyle's kind of yeah, just run away from the pack a little bit. I mean, his team's been absolutely phenomenal. So, but. I am very intrigued on my matchup. It's right now a 51 to 49 win pr- probability. Um, Johnny has the upper hand right now. Um, his team's very explosive. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, like we talked about. He actually does have Deshaun Watson. I that's kind of ironic, but um, he does have James Robinson, who has had a phenomenal year. Stephon Diggs really embracing his Buffalo role. But I mean, if Joe Mixon plays how he did last week, which I don't think is going to happen. If, but if in off chance it does, I'm going to be in pretty good shape, especially with Kamara and you got Tyreek Hill on my team as well as like Robert Woods. But right now, I think I do need – I think what I'm missing is a quarterback. I have Matt Ryan, who is definitely a guy you'd like to have, at least as your backup. He's a very consistent guy. I mean, he puts up about 250, 300 yards a game. The touchdowns is really what's had him struggle the last two weeks. But, I mean, Cam Newton right now would be my primary starter. But with COVID – I just I feel like I just need one more step, and then my team will really be solidified. So I might be making a trade later, so we'll keep you updated on that. But, Joe, you have a, a pretty fine matchup. You're it's, taking on it's Mr. Gonna Jones. It's going to be tough. Okay. So, okay, I haven't been – we're both 1-3-0 right now, and I got to make some moves pretty soon because some of my wide receivers are down. I got to make some – I got to just get some backup for the boys mm-hmm. so that way I don't – just value one person. I think I got to get a new quarterback too because Jared Goff hasn't. It's going to be tough because, I mean, there's not really a whole lot on the table. I got to make some trades, but Jared Goff hasn't been producing as much as I'd like to have him. But, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough. Yeah. I just can say that because right now my team isn't super where I want it to be. We've had glimpses, but right now it's it's picks to 102 to 122 in favor of Barrett, but. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, those are just hey, reactions. First week, I was down like what was it, eleven, and I came back and yeah, won by how did, nine. How did you pull that comeback? I still with don't one understand. game left when Saquon just like or what not Saquon but uh, Juju. Yeah, Juju just went crazy. Yeah, I mean, you got a pretty solid like receiving core: Julio Jones, um, Devontae Parker, and DJ Chark. 
those three guys right there, I know, have some injury issues right now. Then you got Juju and DJ Moore. So, right, your receiving core is very good. Um, Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, pretty solid running backs. You got Zach Moss, who's currently injured. Yeah, really, your injuries have kind of been a little bit of a struggle for you right now. But there is plenty of time to get that fixed. But, I mean, this is looking like a pretty good matchup. It looks like a lot of a lot of veterans against a lot of young guys is really what we're seeing a lot of. Because, I mean, you have Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon, Julio Jones. And those guys, and you're facing um, Barrett, who's got a lot of the young guys, C.E.H., Devin Singletary, Cooper Cup, um, Mark Andrews. The really Justin guys, Herbert, too. Justin Herbert, a lot of young guys. So this is going to be a classic vet versus rookie showdown. We'll see how that one turns out. But right now, um, there's a – I mean, looking at the standings right now, the, the North Division, which is composed of myself, Johnny, um, Ryan, who is on the show, and then Calvin are right now sitting at – Three or four and zero, four and zero, three and one, and three and one. The North's looking pretty tough right now in my division. I'm glad I'm not in that division. I'm yeah, tell you <laughs> pretty much the the Bulldog Radio division, you could say, in the Central. Sean is leaning with two and two. Then you and Barrett with one and three. Travis, rough start. McCaffrey goes down. It's a, it's a tough day for him. Yeah, he's zero four. But hey, and you still a lot of weeks to go. So I mean, the South. Kyle's running away with that one. He's three and somehow, I don't know how he's three and one, but he's three and one. But I mean, he's going ballistic as far as points go. Um, Brennan Burke, Presidente, is two and two. Hunter is one and three right now. And there, we will. I can report right now that there is talks about a trade between me and Hunter. I can't give you the specifics yet, but there could be a quarterback swap in there. Just wow. to, just as going, gotta that give is, out Matt Ryan. This is not really Brandon. This is not going to be an official thing yet, but keep your eye out next week to see if something happens. There's talks going on right now, and then Molly really trying to get her team together, and she's still trying to figure out. I feel like she's still trying to figure out the identity of her team, really trying to solidify it. She's 0 yeah. 4, but still a lot of football to be played. So it'll be interesting to see how our fantasy teams play out, but. Sp- with the NBA Finals now, as we kind of transition, the Lakers and the Heat, pretty solid game four last night. Came down to six. Not terrible. Yeah, come down to six points. Lakers did pull out the win, 102-96. And I think what we really saw last night is it was just the Lakers just played a little bit better. That's really, I mean, the game They was, didn't have the games like game one and two, mm-hmm. really. I mean, Anthony Davis with 22 points still played a little bit uncharacteristic. LeBron came in a little bit more. He played better. He had 28 tw- or 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 28 points. But other than that, I mean, Dwight Howard didn't really have that much production. Uh, Danny Green didn't have a whole lot of production all across the bench. It was low numbers. Yeah, and I think, like, both teams pretty much shot identical. They pretty much, I mean, if you're the Lakers, you kind of want to see more from Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, he had a plus-minus of 17, but there were glimpses there where you said, oh, I he could have made that shot. But, obviously, not every shot's going to go in. So, But, I mean, overall, the Heat are really hanging in there, I feel like. I think a lot of people didn't give the Heat enough credit going into this Lakers matchup that they're pretty much, they're hanging their own. They're really hanging on. So, like, they're they're really getting there. And I feel like, I mean, Kendrick Nunn struggled last night. It's 2 of 11. I mean... He just really could not find the basket, and I feel like if he did, this could be a different game. But, I mean, Duncan Robinson had 17 points, including a bank three. I saw that one this morning on the highlights. That was pretty sweet. 
Um, Bam out of bio, glad to have him back. Um, they really, if they had Dragic right now, they could really be. I feel like they could have won that game. They could have had a chance in this game. Because the Lakers, I mean, they, they won, but they didn't play up to what we saw before. It doesn't seem like they should have won, especially when you look at the stat lines and how well the Heat played. Yeah, LeBron got I, to the line a lot last he's, night. He's really got to kick it in gear. They got to just give themselves a reality check and say, like, hey, like, if we let one of these, like, it just takes one more of these squeak games where we are in it and we can win that game, but then just mental mistakes and sending LeBron to the line and just stupid fouls are going to lead us to lose this game. Mm-hmm. And if that didn't happen, it would be totally different. It would be 2-2, a whole different finals, especially since people said Lakers and four. Everyone was thinking Lakers and four. But now that Heat do have a chance to continue the series next game, if they're able to pull that out and if they're able to kick themselves in the butt and just get ready, we could have an actual series on our hands. Yeah, and this was a big game. I think a lot of people didn't really understand the magnitude of this game. Going up 3-1 compared to being tied 2-2, that's a whole different ball game. And LeBron certainly knew that. There was a report that he actually sent – all of his teammates a text message yesterday saying, hey, we have to win this. This is a must-win game. He said he felt that vibe. He felt the pressure. He felt like this was having to be one of the biggest games of his career. And he did show up. He did what he needed to do. He had 28-12-8. and He's really just showing how great he can be, especially in the playoff environment. I mean, he only he only shot 8 of 16. It wasn't like a it's like an average shooting. It wasn't like Brown. he went crazy either. Yeah, I mean, like we've seen, like, I mean, Duncan and Tyler Hero had good shooting nights, but... I mean, you don't see, like, like LeBron, you always see a lot of classic fundamental ball getting to the hole, hitting jump shots. You're not going to see, like, a lot of – you're going to see, like, occasional pull-ups and stuff like that. You're not going to see that as much but as, it's like, not the like a, Miami not like a Yeah, not like a James Harden either where no, he's no, just no, no, pulling no. up from so far. Yeah, he's going to be more he aggressive. Uses, he uses his strength. He uses his, he uses his body to his yes. advantage being a big guard and he is able to kind of command the floor that way and I feel like if he's able to take control and do that next game especially depending on who has to guard him which I think will probably be Jay Crowder or something like that Mm -hmm. someone who can kind of handle that strength that he has he can take control of this game Mm -hmm. but if he can't and if the team doesn't and if even the Lakers don't kick it into high gear and just end it when they can it's going to last a long time, and I don't know if that Lakers team is going to be able to handle the young Heat team that can probably go the distance if it's going to be a long series, especially for how taxing the Lakers have had having two game having two seven-game series the past two times in the semifinals and in the finals. Yeah, and LeBron certainly, like, he he turned the ball over last, last night. He did not take care of the ball as well as he should have, and he knows that. But, I mean, they still got it done. They're up 3-1. But, as LeBron said, job's not finished. We're, we're, they're really taking that, almost that, Kobe, that Kobe-esque that vibe, and yeah. they really want to. Well, they're wearing the Kobe jerseys, yeah, too. Yeah, they want to get it done. They have a special special feeling right now with the way that this whole year has went and everything going on with ev- just everything. They're really trying to embrace, hey, let's bring it home and make things right. And they, they really want to win this game. It looks like. I mean the Heat are they are really desperate. Obviously now they're going to be even more desperate. Three to one, um, it'll be a big decision if they're going to let Guan Dragic try to play. He tried warmups yesterday, didn't or last night did not play. Um, so they're it's going to be a scary situation if he doesn't play because then you're going to be down one of your premier players. So I feel but, like they really gonna they're really going to have to shoot really yeah. well to try to counteract and, the Lakers' size if they want to keep going, which they did last night. Yeah. But they got – and they also have to capitalize on turnovers that that they didn't quite do as well last no. night. 
And it's going to come down to that veteran mindset. I mean, we talked about that a little bit. If that, if this super young Heat team is going to be able to handle, I mean, LeBron, who's been there before, Anthony Davis, who has those chances with, I mean, he hasn't been to a finals yet, but he has had those chances of uh, getting in those high-intense games. Uh, Dwight Howard, too. Danny Green, who's been there before. Uh, Rajon Rondo, who's been there before. And then when you look at the Heat, I mean, you got Bam Adebayo, who's 22, 21 years old. You got Tyler Heroes, who is a rookie. Duncan Robinson, who the biggest stage he's been on is Michigan in in March Madness. And Jimmy Butler, who, I mean, he's never been there before either. So it's going to come down to if this rookie or this this super young Heat team who doesn't have the mentality that they've been there before, they have to grow up quick and figure out what can we do since our back is against the wall on the biggest stage of basketball – how are we going to be able to pull this out? Yeah, and that the Heat team have such a young, exciting foundation. They should be really excited. I mean, win or lose, they've pulled out a season that a lot of people didn't expect. And I, even you can argue that about Anthony Davis. I mean, coming from New Orleans, he's only making it to about first, second round, maybe occasionally the years. Now this is first finals. So he's, I mean, he's really stepped up, especially defensively. I mean, the guy's been a monster, especially blocks, shots, steals. He's been all over the defense. He should be in a conversation for um, MVP for the finals just for how well he's played. I mean, obviously LeBron's going to be up there for what he's doing is pretty phenomenal as well. Yeah. So those two, if the Lakers win, it's going to be one or the one of those two. They've been the most impactful. But Heat, never know. I mean, we might see something like the Nuggets. It could be crazy. 3-1 comebacks. We've seen them before. I mean, it's, it's happened. So it'll definitely be exciting. Game 6... Wait, game five. Five. I'm yeah. skipping ahead because <laughs> they're going. The Miami Heat are going to win tonight, and they're going. To, the Lakers will close. I think so. That was my prediction. I'm sticking with it. So we'll see Friday if Miami can extend it to six and keep it alive on ABC. Be sure to tune in for that. As we now go into a little more football, we talked a little bit about college football over the last show on Monday, and there's a lot of. A lot of question marks, especially around the playoff, Joe, I know about, like, especially the Big Ten and the Pac-12, who do have some very good football programs. I mean, we're talking Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State for the Big Ten, and even some other teams. And then Pac-12, you obviously got some pretty good teams like um, Oregon, Utah. Those teams have always been very solid programs. Yes. And even, even USC, UCLA, if they can be consistent, that's really the big key, but I mean, they're, they're, how they're going to get into playoff, it's going to be a little tough, especially considering that they're not going to have as many games to play. No. And it it's going to come down to how hot they're going to come out of this break. I mean, only two weeks left until we get to see the Big Ten showdowns uh, come onto screen. And Clemson's playing out of their mind. I mean, they got Miami this week. But, I mean, that's probably just going to be easy when Clemson's just been playing like they haven't been able to lose. And I don't think Miami has the talent to stop that. Alabama's going to go up against Mississippi. So these two, and Florida's playing Texas A&M of 21st-ranked team. It's going to come down to how hot these Big Ten teams are going to come out of the gate, especially Ohio State. They're going to have to come in hot, especially – I keep saying especially so much, but if they can – really turn it on all the way until they play Michigan for the last week of play. I mean, there's no stopping them. It hurts me to say it, but there's no stopping them. And if Michigan come come out hot and it's, if they play when they have to play Penn State and those good teams, I mean, Michigan's not there yet. If Joe Milton's able to come out and able to take over this offense, like, I mean, he really hasn't had too many options to have, especially playing under Shea Patterson and not really being the second option either last year with Dylan McCaffrey there. 
if we're out be able to come out hot, then I feel like we can make really make a run for it. But it's going to come down to if these teams who are already playing kind of keep up this pace of play. It's just no, really no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I am excited to watch. I mean, I've went to Michigan game and watched Joe Milton throw football. I watched him play in his first spring game as a freshman. The dude can has an absolute rifle. The man throws. He can throw it over them, their mountains over there. Yeah, I'll tell you. He, he's got that Uncle Rico arm strength, man. He can sure get it there. I mean, the dude's phenomenal. He came in the Ohio State game, first pass, no hesitation, throws a 60-yard bomb and actually overthrows the receiver for an interception. I mean, okay, it's the Ohio State game. It's a blowout. We understand that. But the dude just threw his 60 yards, literally coming in as a backup. That's got to be a little bit concerning that takes some for cojones. the other team. That takes some cojones, too. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. I mean, that was, I'm excited. I think Shea Patterson was, he was an above average quarterback. I just don't think he was, he's not the big game guy, and we need no. a big game guy. That's he, really what well, it is. He showed that, too, when we played Ohio State. I mean, everyone was talking, oh, like this, we have a good chance of winning. I mean, we say that every year, but Shea Patterson looked like he was going to be able to possibly pull out the win for a lot of games but then he came in i mean when people were arguing about the penn state game how he couldn't finish that was all what was his name kenny some uh whoever number eight is that dropped the ball right that was literally hit his chest oh Khalil hudson yeah yeah i mean yeah. hate to say it but that i mean people blame that on shea but i mean it's a drop it, it, anything it's a, it's a drop and yeah when it comes down to that i mean shea now he's not really gonna have too much of a career in the nfl but now that we got Joe Milton, I'm excited. I'm very excited. And Shea almost got one of the best seats in the house as he was signed originally by Kansas City, but he didn't make the 53. Oh, that's so, tough. Unfortunate, but I'm sure he'll find himself a backup role. But, yes, Miami-Clemson, I think you said that one's probably going to be the game of the week. Definitely an exciting one to watch. Miami's really starting to pull it back. I mean, they have, they've had the runs. They've had great teams in the 2000s, 2010s, and on especially after the allegations and everything that went on in that program, institutional control from the NCAA, all of that sort of stuff surrounding their boosters was a really bad situation for them, especially the football players that weren't involved in some of that stuff, but they come here and they're going to get the one that gets the hammer instead of everybody else. So it was unfortunate for Miami. If you've ever never seen that story, go check out 30 for 30 and watch the U. Um, part one and two of those. It's a really fantastic story to see how the Miami football program really has been one of the greatest of all time, I would say for sure. But it's glad to see now them, especially the alumni, seeing them playing good football again. And now they have a chance to beat the number one team in the country. Got to be a good feeling. But also another good matchup coming from the SEC. Texas A&M, one and one right now, came off of a rocky game. But they're taking on Florida, who's been very hot. Kyle Trask, been very precise, very good looking right now. So it's really going to be exciting. I know my, I know Scooter Magruder, big famous Florida fan. I'm sure he's excited about this one. Scooter Magruder. Yeah, it's a great day to be a Florida Gator, you know, especially after a win. But Virginia Tech, Northern North Carolina. Tell me this, Joe. Would you ever expect Virginia Tech and North Carolina to be playing in a top 20 ranked competition in football? No, I would not expect that either. I mean, North, I, I North Carolina. Ex- I didn't even expect Virginia Tech to even make the top twenty-five ever. Yeah, North Carolina is number eight. Not not basketball. Not basketball. Football. That's crazy. How we've never seen that in so long. Sam Howell has really been a guy that I I think has really kind of changed. Not much as 
not as not as much as like the culture around, but he's kind of the guy I feel like everybody's relying on to really play well. And I mean, obviously, he's one of the regarded high draft picks. He's actually number two quarterback ranked in, I believe, the preseason. As far as quarterbacks were concerned, above Justin Fields, above um, Trey Lance. But he really kind of has regressed. I mean, he's only thrown 520 yards, three TDs, three interceptions. So you North Carolina see, needs to see more better play from Howell if they really want to be that team. Because mm-hmm. their defense is phenomenal. Only have allowed 14 points in the first two contests. They've been very good um, with the wins over Boston College and Syracuse. So it's... I think their offense really needs to show that they're that team because I don't think they're I don't think they're a top ten team yet by no. ranked by America. I think they're getting a little fortunate with the rankings, but if they beat Virginia Tech this week, I think that more solidifies them. So we'll see how that one plays out. But I think even a bigger game, Red River is this week. Texas Oklahoma. I know everybody down in Texas and Oklahoma knows about this game, knows the stakes. And I know everybody is very excited. Obviously, Joe, you have some feelings about Spencer Rattler. If you haven't heard his feelings, it's... watch the previous episode. But in short, sweet, you don't like him. Not really. He kind of sucks. He I mean, look, sucks. At the, look at the title of the last episode. But yeah. It's gonna, I mean, this is a game of two quarterbacks who need to prove something. Yeah. Sam Ellinger came in last, or I think it was last year, the year before, and said, we're back. I mean, Longhorn football is back to where it has been, and we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Is it really? And then this year, I mean, you're ranked 22. Come on, Sam. Step it up a little and bit. And you almost lost two games yeah. instead it's, of one. You should have almost lost two I, games. If you if you really make that claim and you say that, I mean, you win a bowl game and then you go crazy, I mean, you really can't say that you're back after you win a bowl yeah. game. Thank Texas Tech for that yeah, second yeah, win that big, you should have had lost in that one. If they Okay, I'm just saying, if Texas loses to Oklahoma right now, go back to just – just go back to class, honestly. Don't oh, like, don't even play football at this point. Because if you make that claim and you lose to Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, who's been throwing interceptions like it's, he's been basically giving out interceptions like it's a like it's Christmas. Those are his presents that he's giving out. Spencer Rattler is just playing terrible. He has a terrible attitude. We've seen it in QB one when it was on Netflix. We've seen how bad, how much, how entitled he thinks he is. I don't think he's a good quarterback especially trying to fill in the shoes of Jalen Hurts. He's not going to be able to do, uh, step up to that spotlight that he has to reach up to. And honestly, here's the thing. If Texas doesn't win, just that we're back statement out the window. It's oh, going to be absolutely. it's going to be the biggest. I think it's going to be played for years to come because people are just going to say they thought they were going to be back, but Sam Ellinger just can't doesn't have the talent to bring them back. And if they if Oklahoma beats them, more power to Spencer Rattler. He still kind of sucks, but it's whatever. But if Texas wins, then Oklahoma is just kind of out of it. If Oklahoma beats Texas, this is how big the state the the game is. Is if Texas were to beat Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, Oklahoma beats Texas, they could knock each other out of the Big Twelve title race. It's completely possible because they're going to be one and two going in, and they're both going to be now. If Oklahoma wins, I feel like the the panel's going to be biased enough to put him back in the top 25 for beating Texas in yeah. that rivalry. But, I mean, it's at home. I mean, they really have the advantage. I mean, obviously, it's at the Cotton Bowl. But, I mean, if they if they still if they still beat Texas, like, both of these programs are showing that they're – I mean, they're not showing that 
the like neither of them are good enough to really be solidified as the Big Twelve best football team. I mean, no. it, it's just like I don't I don't know what's like. It's weird. Like looking at Texas, they always seem to be a team on paper that's going to dominate, and we never. Ever they see haven't it. dominated since Colt McCoy was there. Yeah, I mean that team was probably one of the best they've had, and I mean, you got, you got other teams that you have to worry about in the Big Twelve. I mean Iowa State, who beat Oklahoma, has a trip against Texas Tech, who should have beat Texas. They're going to be playing each other, so that could be a big game moving up in the standings, and it's just really. How they've done this over and over is kind of just driving me crazy, but I don't think this is going to be a Georgia Tech-Cumberland game from 1916. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a close game, but it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see. I mean, right now, I feel like the narrative is just that Spencer Rowler is going to play well and beat Texas, and then we're going to be back to square one again. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. Even if that happens, I still think Spencer Rowler sucks. I mean, I mean looking at Kyler, Jalen, Baker... Right now, he's playing subpar compared no. to those three guys. Cause Especially those... their stats of the first game in that oh, first couple spans. Yes. It's he's literally he's playing terrible compared to them. Yeah, he needs to step up and he needs to step up real quick. But Auburn came off of a pretty rough loss. They're gonna play Arkansas. Hopefully, get back on track. Um, Felipe Franks transferred to Arkansas from Florida. He could maybe play a sneak role here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But Alabama playing Ole Miss, probably gonna see an Alabama win. But never know. I mean, Notre Dame's gonna play mm-hmm. Florida State. Um, so that that one will be interesting. I'm looking forward to this Iowa State Texas Tech game. Yeah, that's gonna be a pretty exciting mm-hmm. game. Um, Tennessee and Georgia also kind of a little game we kind of passed over. It's a little significant. Both teams two zero in the SEC. I mean, to me, Georgia looks much better on paper, and they've played better. But, I mean, we've seen Georgia fall asleep some games, especially last year when they were a top-ranked team. Fell asleep. Go Vols. Go Vols. <laughs> Joe, I guess, no, is... I, no, Georgia's going to win this game. I okay. feel like they're going to be able to pull it out, especially with a rank like number three. If they get the upset, or if Tennessee pulls it off the upset, more power to them. But. Yeah, but uh, LSU will also play Missouri, so I... I think that'll be an easy win for LSU. I don't think Missouri's that great. They're 0-2. I mean, they have Larry Roundtree, who's kind of their best guy, but for as far as running the ball, but he's kind of been quiet. So I, I don't really see this as going to be a close game, but no. lots of good college football that will be coming up. But as far as football, for a good segment into my question of the day, we have... A good debate topic about which city needs a professional expansion team. We we how about we start with NFL? We'll we'll go city by or we'll go we'll go sport, we'll by, go sport, sport by sport and we'll take our cities. But as far as the NFL is concerned, which city needs an expansion NFL franchise? That's a tough one, to be honest, because I w- honestly, it could be state or city, too, because right, yeah. when, you, when you really think about it, I just I like don't even know, really, because there's so many cities that do kind of deserve them, and that could be really good atmospheres for sports cities, but 
when it really comes down to it, you just really can't think of one. Who do yeah. you think? Who do you think, Brandon? Uh, me personally, I feel like there's there's quite a few that could. I mean, obviously, we could talk about St. Louis because I think their fans are still salty about the LA move. Yeah. So, and they actually had a pretty good devoted fan base. There, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they're they're in Missouri. It's not a not a big popular place. Um, I mean, realistically, London is a place that I know the NFL has talked about. They're definitely interested in making football overseas. I mean, they've played there every year. So I think that is a place that will be up there. The thing is about that one, the reason that I I would disagree on that kind of claim and moving it, because there was NFL talks about moving to Berlin as well, because I know that football is pretty big over there too in Germany a little bit. But the one thing is, is it's just travel. Because it's a, mm-hmm. what is it, like a 15-hour plane ride over there? Yeah. And you know that the London team would basically just be in America almost all the time. They probably wouldn't spend all that money going back and forth uh, for spending that much on plane, like just plane fees and stuff like that. So that's the only reason I probably disagree with that. I don't, th- I like when they went over there, I think it was, who was it, the Rams and the... Uh, Jags. Yeah, the Rams and the Jags like when they played over there. The stadium was electric. I know that there's a lot of fans and those that teams would were love bad. <laughs> yeah, that would love to have football over there, but I think the only reason that they wouldn't do it is just like the uh planning and kind of like the logistics of that. Yeah. I think that the NFL would make that work. I think that teams would oh, yeah. be willing to do that. So I think that's mine. What would you say yours would be? Honestly, I was thinking St. Louis just because their fans were so strong mm-hmm. and that city is just It's in the it's, middle of nowhere though. St. Louis. Yeah. It's in Missouri. Not there's not a lot of market there. All right, Kansas City is in Missouri too. Okay, okay. There's market there, but as far as like allure, it's all Chiefs in that area. But that Okay, you no, you know what you could have okay, You know how heavy when there's the uh, interleague rivalry of the Royals and the uh, Cardinals, how heavy that interstate rivalry is, they could have that with football. They had that before when the St. Louis Rams were there. If they have it there, that fan base, that St. Louis sports town fan base, that that, that blood runs so deep, that's going to just propel that rivalry so much farther. But are they going to be that interested in a new team? Because I, I feel think like they, so. they're going to be that interested. I mean, they they took the Rams away from them. I feel like they want the Rams back or they don't want another team. I guess so. But another, I feel like they're too devoted another, to the Rams. Another town I was kind of thinking it would be tough because I know that there's a CFL team there is Toronto. I would say that Toronto should be up there. Because Toronto is one of like a, – it's a budding sports town, especially for those big – I mean, mm-hmm. uh, NBA, NBA has been going really well for them, MLB. The, Raptors, Blue been, Jays, yeah. That sports town has been really budding. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. And adding an NFL team, I know that they have the Argonauts. I think that's what their team name is. Um, I think so. Is already there. But I feel like adding a team like that is going to make a lot of exposure for some CFL players. That um, that could be like a XFL to the NFL. Yeah, like most definitely. Kind of yeah. adding that kind of recruitment process where a lot of guys from the CFL are going to get more notice. Because I know that some guy in the – I think it's – uh, some guy who won the Grey Cup last year is now, and I know that that's kind of one of the big things that a lot of teams look at. But I think if they add one to Toronto and move the NFL to Canada, I feel like that's going to open up a whole brand new fan base. And for a town that has such a deep-rooted sports community, I feel like that would be probably the best put choice for the NFL. 
Yeah, I think that's a really a really good choice. Um, NF or NBA, sorry, NBA. What team or what city needs one? That's also a pretty tough one to think about. I'd honestly say, I it's so tough to think. Here, you go first, Brandon. Let me think. Why are you making me go first? Because you gotta go first. Oh, whatever. Um, I'll I'll just do the elephant, Seattle. You think so? Losing Supersonics, yeah. I think the the fans miss it too much. I was going to say Vancouver. Really? Okay. That would actually be... Vancouver, when Grizzlies moved from there to Memphis, I think that was a big one. Especially those uh, um, jerseys that they used to have were incredible. That's that's the kind of thing that you alluded to, though, with kind of like the Rams. It's like they're not going to have the Grizzlies. It's kind of going to be a different vibe, especially not having those iconic jerseys and kind of that old sports feel. And you're going to have a lot of Grizzlies fans who probably aren't going to... They'll probably follow them, but not. I don't think that blood is going to run as deep or that fan base is going to be as strong, too. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people, I would say, in Louisville want one. I I don't know. If, I mean, they have Kentucky, Louisville College basketball. Kentucky just needs a sports team. I mean, that I would agree with, but it's just It just like, depends on which one. Yeah, I feel like a ba- uh, NBA team would be the best. You know, what other town I think our city would be good is probably Las Vegas. Las Vegas needs an NBA basketball. I team. mean, I feel like Las Vegas is going to get a bunch of teams. I feel by like, like Las Vegas is going to be the next the next city that's going to have all four sports teams in it. Oh, I think that I think that's a very fair statement. I mean, looking at like they've now got we've seen we've seen the amount of response that Vegas Golden Knights had when they were the first major major mm-hmm. uh, sports team. Mm-hmm. That was there. And now they got the Raiders. And now they got the Raiders, who that sport, that fan base is going to be ridiculous, mm-hmm. especially with that brand new stadium right off the strip. The setting is incredible for just any sports team, too. I mean, even their AAA team there has is always a packed stadium. Mm-hmm. I went there a couple times because my brother lives out there. I went to that AAA team, and literally, you can't find a seat if you if you're just getting standing room only because it's so packed. Mm-hmm. That sports town runs deep yeah and i mean bryce harper was a vegas guy and we've seen how the sports um recruiting has been in vegas it's been phenomenal yeah as chris far bryant as, too yeah chris bryant as well um i feel like this could be although i feel like sacramento probably will move to yeah vegas. I, honestly, I don't yeah, know I don't if the, think... king, the kings can't compete with the lakers no. and golden state I don't, it's impossible they have to move especially with how many teams i think they're just struggling for a fan base because if you're not from sacramento i don't think you're gonna be a kings fan anytime yeah, soon there's too many alternatives that are really good i mean yeah. cool. and especially just their talent that they have on the team too i mean De'Aaron fox is the only one that's kind of their big name guy and yeah. it's not gonna be i feel like if they had a seattle team I mean, with the Supersonics, that was very successful. I don't. I mean, their 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 managing of that situation was pretty poor, and that's yes. why they had to move again. But I mean, that that was the Portland Seattle vibe rivalry is always a fun thing that I feel like people really miss. I mean, we see it in the MLS with anytime the Sounders and the anytime Timbers. Anytime there's like a like a just a cross state rivalry or in state mm-hmm. rivalry, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we see that with, I mean, even Clippers and Lakers, that rivalry is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's really been a rivalry that's really taken another level this year, just with the, the new mm-hmm. stars there and everything. But I feel like there's, I mean, a lot of teams feel like there's going to be relocations soon. And I mean, one of the teams that was in that conversation was the Grizzlies because I think 
they're not getting as much love as I feel like they were expecting in Memphis, especially yes. with the move from Vancouver. They honestly might move back to Vancouver, to be honest. That could be a possibility. I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but it's I, a, it's I think a it's a pretty po- good possibility. I think it's possible. But um, going to baseball, I think there's a lot of options for baseball. There, uh, I feel like if you – I mean, obviously any t- city in Florida could be a really good one because that's just a bunch of old people, and old people love baseball. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I mean, I'm not trying to knock baseball because I love baseball, but that's just a fact. Old people kind of love baseball. You're bringing me to, like, million-dollar arm with um the, the scout what, scout Ray <laughs> when he's just sitting there yeah. listening. But, yeah, that that is funny. But I'll, I'll start this one off, Brandon. I think Utah – the state of Utah needs one. Really? Utah? Yes. Okay. We see how big a fan base that the Jazz have. I feel like if they add one more. And Utah, honestly, is a pretty – I mean, I feel like it's a pretty big baseball time. We see – I just I just feel like that would be a good fit, especially since they only have the NBA. I don't think it's a big, a big enough state or, like, kind of will bring enough publicity for an NBA – or, sorry, not NBA, but an NFL team. But I think MLB will be a perfect fit for there. Yeah. I, I – Utah is like a hard – it's a really hard state to judge because I feel like really when you're out there, you have the, the devoted fan base, and it's either going to go right or it's going to – it's going to be over the literally a home run. It's going to be a strikeout, I feel like, if you put a team like that in Utah. But, I mean, obviously we talked about Vegas. I think that would be the probably the next – that was probably the thing I was going to bring up. I know we talked about I think for the show. I think for any sport, Vegas should be the next one. Yeah, I mean, especially with the success um, they've had with their AAA team. If they move their AAA team and put in an MLB franchise, mm-hmm. I think that's something that they would definitely have success from. I really see Texas as another big state or city in Texas would be a baseball-oriented. Mm-hmm. I feel well, like you could argue like – San Antonio. I know El Paso, I think, has some minor league success, or even Austin. I think that just, te- like, Texas, it's like football and it's basketball. Yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry, football or it's baseball. Even, I feel like those are the two sports, and I think that would have enough success yeah. in that environment. Even circling back to Vegas, just from a fiscal standpoint, it makes sense. Because when mm-hmm. you really think about it, how many tourists you get there a year, and, you know, parents who just leave their kids like kind of at the hotel or just any spot that like they can just think of just so they can go gamble for a few hours get them a ticket to a sports game for three hours then you go gamble pick them up after get an uber for them or whatever bring them back to the hotel or even if you're just looking for something to do in there just make some tickets kind of cheap and you'll get you'll get your investment back so quick just by how many tourists go there and for an attraction that major league sports brings to them and especially for how famous those teams could be with that Las Vegas name, I feel like it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll that's Vegas is such a hot economy. There, it's it seems like just a matter of time before they're gonna get all five sports. Yeah, I don't really. I don't know if that will happen, but I think it it's a matter of time before you at least see another one. I think I would argue baseball will come before basketball. I think that I yeah. think that's given just because of the success they have. But I mean, they might want to keep that Triple A. The, the stadium going. is pretty new. It's pretty new. So, I know that. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. But um, um, I said say NHL wise, I wanna, I want, I just want to say I want Joe Lewis back for Detroit. I want to just Seattle put, doesn't deserve a team. Seattle does not deserve a team. Why? Is I don't that? think so. Well, at least not a team that's named the Kraken. The Kraken. That's disgusting. Yeah. They could have named it so many different things that would actually make sense. Yep. So. You know, they deserve a team, but the Kraken really just 
turns me off with that one. I yeah, just I don't like that name. It's it almost seems like it's like too modern. I don't know. I, I don't feel like they were trying to push it too much with kind of the fishing town and mm-hmm. being that kind of situation that they should have did something where it was just like yeah. a little bit different because the Kraken name just doesn't fit, I don't think. But for a team, for a new town, wait, which one? Which town did you say to go to? I didn't oh, say for, one oh, for a new Joe Lewis. That no, I said sad. I want. I said I want Joe Lewis back. Oh, I do too. I, I, miss Joe I will Lewis. say this. I. I went to Joe Lewis for a concert. I never went there for a Red Wings game, which I'm really kicking at myself for because I really wish I did. Joe Lewis is extremely dirty compared to the Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. Because, for one, it was basically there was the seating was a little bit rough. I mean, it just wasn't as clean looking. There wasn't as many options. And LCA does make it a lot more of a fan experience, I feel like, with just kind of how it's set up. I mean, you got. Uh, the main entrance that's kind of uh, owed to the Olympia Stadium before um, Joe Lewis came around. It's got the restaurant in there. It's got a lot of different places for you to get food, so that way there's not a lot of lines and stuff like that. I know that we're not really talking about this kind of for the topic, but I'm yeah. just saying that I love I love LCA as an arena. I'll yeah, I think LCA was a a valuable investment. I miss the history behind Joe Lewis. Yeah, that's what I miss. But um, All right, let's get back to it, man. We're yeah, let's topic. get back to some NHL expansion. Um, obviously Seattle has expanded on i think was there supposed to be another team expansion this year i don't um i they're expanding it to 32 yeah and it's what 31 right now with the kraken yeah so this is what we might have an influence on this no it's not (laughs) not nhl two detroit teams oh dude that'd be fun but now that, that nah, the the not, Red Wings the Red Wings work. runs the Red Wings runs way too deep. Yep, it's not gonna work. But I think honestly, Quebec, not a you bad idea. So? I'll bet. I mean, hockey up north. Ever since is the Nordiques so, left. Yeah, I mean the Nordiques played there from seventy nine to ninety five, so which they end up relocating to Denver. But I mean, it's possible. I mean, I think they they liked it there. I mean, anything up north for hockey is gonna be as successful. I feel like. I mean, even could you argue? Put another team in Minnesota, and because I mean, I think fan wise, they're gonna. It's probably gonna be successful. Economy it, it, it wise, be, will be the question. Yeah, that's the big question. Is kind of if you add another team to a state, kind of like Minnesota, that the one team runs so deep that adding another team, are you gonna get that fan base that's gonna build? Of course, you're probably gonna have people buying for the first couple games and probably the first year, but after that, how are you gonna build on that? But for me, I'd probably say probably. The two I'm kind of debating with is Austin, Texas, because Texas is starting to kind of come around as a hockey state and kind of a spot for that. And also Atlanta. We've seen them with the Thrashers. And, oh, uh, um, okay. I, there was another team that went there that they lost to, Atlanta Flames, before they moved to Calgary. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, since there's kind of, there's people have realized how much kind of NHL brings to a town and stuff like that, I feel like they could build on that. But if they do become that team that loses three expand, three teams, I feel like no one's ever gonna touch that place, but I feel like the only place, the only reason hindering that is because they've already lost two teams. Yeah, um, you brought up Austin, and I was actually thinking similar. I was thinking Houston because yeah. Houston, oh my gosh, their their market is just exploding. Sports it's, down there is just you could literally have a heyday. You could open Dallas up any and type Houston of. could have two teams each, and they would have enough money with the economy oh, yes. to make it work. So I feel like they could. I mean, I mean Houston, I believe they had. I believe they had a hockey team 
in in like the 90s i can't remember off the top of my head but another team or team i thought of i said going up back up to minnesota i mean even moving down a little south to milwaukee because i know for a fact that bradley the bradley center which is home of the bucks was actually originally constructed to bring an nhl team it was actually supposed to be like the next for whatever hockey team was supposed to be there but they currently have i believe the um no, the affiliate for the Predators, I believe, right now. The, yeah, the Ad- Admirals. The Admirals. Yep. So they play I, the Griffins every once in a while. Yep, they'll play the Griffins. They're in that. They're in that league. So that could be a big place to go. And I mean, Wisconsin's not like they're not a considered like a. They're not like Minnesota. They're not a hockey like just absolute brilliant, a lower state. But yes. they still do love their hockey because they they've made some very good NHL players from that state. And I mean, they're obviously going to have a rivalry with Minnesota. Probably us in Chicago, because that's always been like the the region I mean, of those, rivalry. I mean, all the Midwest states all have. It just doesn't even matter which uh, uh, sport it is, really. I mean, NBA, NHL, yeah. NFL, uh, even MLB. I mean, anytime you face those guys, it's going to be a really good rivalry. Yeah, and even with Houston, could you imagine them when they play Dallas Stars? Oh my word! That's going to be like fist fights in the parking lot. It's yeah. going to be so crazy. But that could—that is a very good. I mean, option. just think of the Texans and Cowboys rivalry right now. Ooh, man, that's that right there would totally be worth. I mean, even Mavericks that'd be, Rockets. That would be worth the price of admission right there. Yeah, I mean Astros. I mean, I not. I would skip about to say Rangers, Astros, but I think Rangers are in San. They're in, they're in Arlington. Arlington so yes. that's. It's 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 kind of close, but it's it's, it's close, not Dallas. Not really. It's not Dallas, but I mean Dallas is really like SMU. That's like their school because that's like literally their campus downtown Dallas, and then they got the Stars, Cowboys. So and they're I think Texas is just such a such a boom town ever since yes. and ever since like the the oil finds and all of the expansion they've had in the economy. It's just been matter of time it seems like since they're going to be a huge boom town when it comes to um sports and even like even the success like football's had come in america's team with the cowboys so i think they can definitely get an nhl team but nhl i feel like has a lot of universal options because i feel like hockey's really coming around now because it kind of took a dip it feels like yeah. but now it's coming back up again so it's exciting to see i think especially uh vegas kind of brought that back with the expansion team because people were always saying like Oh, like I don't really want an expansion team because like it takes years for it to like build up, and that fan base is gonna be like, oh yeah, a team's gonna come to our 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 town, and then we're gonna like be able to kind of experience that. But then, usually, expansion teams don't have that success that Golden Knights have been having. I mean, especially going to the Stanley Cup for the first year, and then kind of continuing that success as well. But I mean, it's gonna come down to whether or not the fan base is gonna want the team there or understand what it's gonna take to get the team to that point where it's going to be fun to watch them because expansion drafts are really just getting the people who uh, other teams don't want or other teams don't want to protect. And then when it comes down to that, Vegas was a fluke really uh, for how well that they did and the and kind of like those bench players going that well in the finals too. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to come down to if those fans are going to be able to keep it through and if towns are going to be able to keep that excitement for that expansion team for long enough until they see success. Absolutely. And the last sport really quick, I know we've ran a little bit over today, but we some good conversation. Um MLS um right now they are at um I believe 26 teams. Um there's um Miami's getting one, Nashville is getting one. 
um, right now. And then there's additions coming later, Austin, Charlotte, Sacramento, and then St. Louis, which I actually thought was a really good idea. But there, I'll just ask you one simple question, Joe. Does Detroit need an MLS team? I don't think I would. I think that would be cool to have an MLS team in Detroit, but I don't think they'd be able to compete with the fan bases of the four teams already there. I think that would be fair. I would. I personally love to see a Detroit soccer team. I don't. I would think that they have. I the fan bases. I think the economy. I think they could pull it off. I think they could. Yeah. Definitely. They won't be like a Seattle Sounders or a Portland Timbers no, type of atmosphere. No. Not no, even close. Not even but close. No. It, it won't be. It'll the same. still be something where people will enjoy, it, especially since soccer fans don't really have anything close. I mean, they got the Chicago Fire right now, which yeah. is probably the club. I'm not super familiar with MLS teams, but that's like the closest one that I know. Yeah. The, probably to us. Mm-hmm. But if we do get a Detroit team, I feel like there will be a fan base, but I don't think it'll be as strong as uh, uh, Red Wings and Pistons and uh, yeah, and they tr- and even they tried fight. to have one team in Cleveland, I believe in Oof, or they they had one in 2004, and it only lasted three years due to failed efforts. But I mean, there's been a lot of tries yeah. for MLS. I think I mean there's a it's huge stir right now in Miami with all of the the big-time guys overseas coming over to that team. So Inter-Miami looks really fantastic. But, yeah, I think Detroit really – it's going to be really hard to compete with those other teams. But I think if they have enough and they, they get a good venue for it downtown, I think they can have success. But the real question is we the fan base. But mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see because the MLS is really expanding. So, But – that will be our show for the day. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in to other Bulldog Radio podcasts happening this week. We will be back on Monday. We appreciate your guys' views. And, Joe, as always, Rome wasn't built in one day. Have to say it every time. And it was a good day in the office. It really was. And, Brandon, don't forget, we're going to be on Mikes and Takes this Friday as that well. That is right. Tune in Mikes and Takes this Friday. And if you haven't seen our latest ones with Mikes and Takes, you have to check them out. Lots of debates last week. Condiments and dressings? Wait, what? Debate? What's going to be this what? week? Oh, boy. What's going to happen this week? So check those out. We love to partner with Mike's and Takes. They're a great organization. If you want to join Bulldog Radio for yourself, you know what to do. If you want to be a guest on our show, you know what to do. But until next time, guys, we will see you later. Take care, everybody.